Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Cinema Politburo podcast. My name's Mike, and I'm joined by my co-host, Regan. Hello. And in each episode, we will be going behind the Iron Curtain of cinema and looking at the history of the Cold War and the former communist bloc through the prism of different movies. And we're starting our first proper podcast by looking at the film Goodbye Lenin. Uh, There were many contenders for the first film we would cover, and this one seems to be a great place to start. So it's over to Regan for the film synopsis. Yeah. In 1990, to protect his fragile mother from a fatal shock after a long coma, a young man must keep her from learning that her beloved nation of East Germany, as she knew it, has disappeared. Uh, Goodbye Lennon was directed by Wolfgang Becker. It was um, The screenplay was by Bernard Lichtenberg uh, and Becker himself. The production company that uh, released the film was Ex Film A, creative pool Um, the film was released in Germany on the 13th of February uh, 2003 and it was later released that year in the UK on the 21st of July yeah the budget for the film was approximately 6.8 million euros and uh, at the box office the film took in nearly 80 million Um, so that made it a worldwide success the film retained its budget 15 times over also the film uh, won several awards best film at the European Film Awards Daniel Brühl won best actor for his incredible performance and Bernard Lichtenberg won best European screenplay the film also cleared up at the German Film Awards and was nominated for a BAFTA in the category best film not in English language so let's start looking at some of the key plot points in more detail Uh, we can't make any promises but we will endeavour to avoid any big spoilers for anyone that hasn't got around to watching it yet. Uh, So at the start of the film, we have flashbacks to Alex's childhood to give us some context. Uh, His father, he believes, is defected to the West and, in Alex's words, is getting his brains fucked out by his enemy of the state girlfriend. Uh, He says his mother has became married to the socialist fatherland and she throws herself into socialist activism in the DDR. Uh, which Alex is increasingly indifferent to. He is, yeah. Um, Alex is the main character, and he's also the narrator of the film, and the film is told through his perspective, um, which is important and very powerful at times, uh, but also, ironically, a lot of people who were born after the fall of the DDR don't actually, or didn't actually know a lot about it when the film was released, so... Um, a lot of children who watch the movie or a lot of teenagers actually learnt a lot through watching what is an incredible movie the opening images of the film are shot on a Super 8 camera and show Alex happily playing with his sister it's uh, the summer of 1978 it's clear that father has filmed these memories and they give the impression that father is very happy filming his children what's also interesting is that the mother doesn't actually appear to be anywhere in this opening footage I wonder is this done to create the divide between them that we learn about as the father as Micah said defects of the west the opening titles continue with various images of East Germany showing the radio tower larder cars Alexander Platz statues and placards of former Soviet leader Vladimir Lenin all this is intercut using the Ken Burns photography effect at steady pace with the colour red being the most prominent within 
Why text introducing actors and crew appearing and fading on various areas of the screen. The soundtrack keeps pace with the continual pace cutting of new information being presented to us. The film is quoted as being a tragic comedy and with the, this opening soundtrack it gives quite a relaxing feeling but also a potential for struggle or potential heartbreak. So when the title Goodbye Lennon appears, a statue of Lennon revolves around the image of the space flight So Just 31 that launched on August the 26th, 1978 with astronaut Sigmund Ajahn. This is accompanied by the sound of satellites or a spaceship orbiting around the statue of Lennon. Could this be interpreted as communism being more important? Lennon is bigger than space. Momentarily before a fade into the living room of Alex, eagerly watching this magnificent moment for him and his country on the TV. The product of great joint endeavour will be put to the test here. The principal quality supplied by all to all can be seen perfectly here. Alex then reinforces the point by saying, we were world class. Yeah, so cut to 1989 and Alex is drinking a beer on a bench outside the apartment block that he lives in with his family and the preparations for the 40th anniversary of the DDR are in full swing. Uh, Alex knowingly says that this could be the last time with the old guard. So there's a sense that the end of the regime is imminent and he's aware of it. Yeah, and uh, that's quite evident, I think, as well, because obviously the, the going out, the, you know, they're really pushing about out here you know Alex is surrounded by the flags of the Socialist Party and the red banners that appear to be hanging everywhere and, and they dominate everywhere as well even when he's in his bedroom the red colour of the Socialist State invades his room casting him under a red light a red light sorry Alex ironically has his head under the pillow to escape the sound of the marching and perhaps the colour of red that surrounds and try to consume him even when he heads into the lounge to talk to his mother, who is ironing her red dress for the party celebration late that evening, it seems he is unable to escape the clutches of the social society and reverts back to covering his face again, as it's even on the television. Yeah, and next Alex attends an anti-government protest. Um, the response from the state is swift and brutal, and presumably it's the People's Police or the Vox Politei, or Vopo for sure, that responds. Uh, incredibly for a country with a population of about 16 million in the 1980s, uh, the Vopo had over 250,000 employees, uh, which was made up of around 90,000 full-time police officers and more than 170,000 volunteers. Um, and there's a scene where one of the policemen breaks the leg of one of the protesters. Uh, it's pretty gruesome and you know, sticks in my mind. Yeah, um, that, that is a rather gruesome moment in that scene but what I think is interesting about this scene in particular is the first shot we actually see is of what, well it's a lamppost but to me it feels more like a camera and um, it's monitor, monitor, monitoring these anti-government protesters who calmly approach beneath to peacefully just demonstrate um, you know and talking about the colour of the scene they all seem to be dressed very similar Apart from uh, Lara, um, who becomes an integral character within the narrative further on, but she's uh, wearing what, well, it's sort of like a white polo neck style jumper, and, and that just makes her stand out. 
amongst the other protesters. She has a little quick smile of Alex. Obviously, there's there's a bit of chemistry before it all kicks off. And again, what's important in this scene is uh, the colour red, because we see the mum who is now wearing that dress. She was elegantly ironing earlier. Um, but she's also wearing a white cardigan, and I think this either signifies her purity, her purity to the violence that is now surrounding her, or her ignorance. Either way, she becomes a casualty of the uprising as she suffers a heart attack and collapses on the floor. But throughout various shots of this scene, the impression of a camera watching is prominent as we zoom in on police exiting trucks falling into positions and the camera then sharply turns at one point as if spotting spotting or being alerted to something. In the prison hall, it's the regime that have re-established control again as the anti-government protesters fall into the line with their hands above their heads really submissively. I think this is like a, these, the way these shots are intercut, it's really powerful. And then it's the state that decides to tell Alex about his mother, but only after Alex has submitted to their requirements. As when he turns around, you can clearly see that he's, he's got a black eye. So either something's happened on the way back in the van, um, but either way, he's, he's suffered again. So if he steps out of the line again, then the same thing is going to happen. But um, he manages to cooperate efficiently, and it's then when he's told the tragic news about his mother. And so, yeah, his mother is hospitalised, she's in a coma, um, and during this time, the Berlin Wall falls, uh, Eric Honecker, party leader, uh, resigns, and we start to see capitalism flooding into the east, and one of the first things that Alex does is go to the west and watch porn in a CD video rental store. Uh, his sister gets a job at Burger King, I think it's interesting that they decided to go with Burger King rather than McDonald's, which is generally the more obvious standard bearer of free market capitalism in the world. Um, Alex gets a job installing satellite dishes, and one thing that I'd never noticed uh, when watching the film before is the satellite dish logo on his red overalls looks, looks a lot like the hammer and sickle. Yeah, um, it does, and it, you know it's presents quite a powerful image I, I think especially there's a there's a shot later on where when they leave a, one of the um, the blocks the building blocks are all obviously where everyone lives there's about 30 new satellites all shining with the logo on um, so it reinforces that western influx but um, yeah the company Alex works work for in the east goes bust literally um, a lot of that probably to do with you know the tellies that are now coming in from the west are a lot more advanced. But again, there's something about this scene which sticks out in my mind because he's talking about it like he's already feeling the nostalgia. Because he actually says, I turned off the light, thus meaning I closed this chapter in my life. Um, but I think there's a clear link here between light and dark or good and bad, whatever way you perceive it. But Luckily, he's paired with a you know a Westerner, Dennis, who seems to be as excited um, to be working with someone from the East, and he's paired with Alex. Um, and despite the differences, they seem to get on really well. Um, and what's interesting in this scene, I think, as well, if you watch it closely, you can see that the guys in the West stand rather smugly in comparison to a few of the guys 
in the east, you just you know they look they look a bit annoyed, a bit perplexed. One guy in particular stands with his arms folded, not impressed, rather angry, you know, because for a lot of these eastern workers, the, the you know their employment lives were just uprooted and destroyed, and you know they've not had time to adjust or you know where how what's going to happen or, or where their careers are going to go now, or what's going to happen to the pension. So yeah, so you know things are changing quickly, and after eight months. Alex's mother wakes up from a coma. Uh, the doctors warn that she's still very fragile. Uh, Alex decides not to tell her that the wall has fallen, worried about the consequences for her health. His sister is suspicious, and Alex accuses her of quitting college to sell burgers. Uh, Alex sets about changing their flat to how it looked before the wall fell. Uh, the scene is sped up while Beethoven plays. Uh, which is you know, reminiscent of the scene in A Clockwork Orange, where the anti-hero, also called Alex, brings back two young Devotchkas uh, to his uh, bedroom for sex. Uh, Alex is trying to find products available um, in the DDR. Obviously, most of them have disappeared from shelves and shops uh, in the avalanche of consumerism. And it's, it's at this point that we realise that a whole country has stopped existing um, and that's part of the fascination people have with the DDR. Now, the story of East Germany isn't just about a repressive police state, but it's also the lives of ordinary people uh, making the best of things. Um, and this is where the film really starts to spark people's interest in uh, the products and aspects of everyday life in the DDR. Um, obviously, this phenomenon has become known as Ostalgie, uh, nostalgia for the East. So back to the film plot. Uh, the mother is none the wiser when she returns home. Her birthday is approaching, and the countdown is represented by a sped-up shot of the famous clock in Alexander Platz in the shadow of the iconic TV tower. Um, Alex needs to collect uh, his old, his mother's old friends together and work colleagues for the celebration. Uh, many of them have lost their jobs after the collapse of the wall. Um, the head teacher of the school she worked at is now basically an unemployed alcoholic. And there's actually um, you know, a really interesting article I read in the New York Times recently uh, about how the end of East Germany still impacts today, um, particularly with the rise of the German far right. Um, it basically says some three million jobs, most of them in traditionally male industries, were lost over two years and the working class heroes of socialism became the working class losers of capitalism uh, it goes on to say East German men were abandoned by their newly united country practically overnight and this is a theme that crops up a few times in Goodbye Lenin um, it says they were quite literally left behind by the women uh, long before the Me Too movement, communism succeeded in creating a broad class of women who were independent, emancipated, often better educated and working in more adaptive service jobs than Eastern men. Uh, after the wall came down, the East lost uh, more than 10% of its population and two-thirds of those who left and did not come back were young women. So that you know paints a very different picture from the, from the one we're usually told, um, where the wall fell capitalism won, everyone was free and happy, living the consumerist lifestyles they'd always dreamt of end of story um, for many people it meant the loss of their livelihoods, their families 
and the stability and assurance provided to them by an albeit repressive state bureaucracy overseeing a generally stagnating economy. So next it's the birthday party itself. Uh, Alex bribes a couple of local kids to dress as young pioneers, uh, the socialist youth group, and sing uh, socialist songs, while uh, the mother's boss, the former head teacher, gives a rambling speech and presents her with a gift basket of East German products. Then we have one of the big uh, scenes in the movie, uh, where his mother looks out the window of a bedroom and sees the unveiling of the Coca-Cola logo on a nearby apartment block. Uh, obviously another big symbol of consumerism and capitalism. Uh, personally, I'm interested in the kind of little nitty-gritty uh, trivia. And went on the subject of Coca-Cola, you know, the East Germans did actually start producing their own version called Vita-Cola, uh, starting in 1957 and advertised as a carbonated soft drink with fruit and herb flavouring. And interestingly, this disappeared from the shelves after the fall of the wall, as you probably expect, but it has made a big comeback uh, in the last few years, thanks to Ostalgie. Um, uh, there is also another East German Coke brand called Club Cola, which has also made a similar reappearance. Uh, so now Alex has to take this uh, truth that he is manufacturing to the next level, and create a myth that Coke is a socialist invention. And he does this by creating fake news. Uh, fake news reports with his co-worker, Dennis. And this happens several times throughout the movie. Yeah, and, uh, you know, on, in, in today's world, how, how big is fake news? You know, it, it's such a passive term now. We Everyone knows what fake news is. Anything can be fake news. Carney, you know, uh, Trump's very vocal on, on using that as a way to discredit people who discredit him but Dennis is, is such a powerful character within the film Goodbye Lennon he's a great great editor great reporter and also he's you know he's a really good friend to Alex but what's important about the character of Dennis I think as well is that he represents the unification between the East and the West it, it is possible as they both become good both become a really good sales team and ironically, through television, that the, both the East and the West continue to promote the news, the ideologies, and their brands to us. Alex sells the values of the West to his Eastern neighbours um, through his job, and then at the end of the day, he goes home and revisits the past that he has created again for his fragile mother on the TV, which you know I think is quite. I just find that really funny myself. Um, it's like he's it's, almost like got like a split personality, um, and there's a good contrast between the Western colours and the Eastern colours, you know, um, throughout. Uh, so he's faced with the loss, I think, of both his mother and the state which she recognised. The memory of his childhood and the vanishing of the DDR start to take on parallel potentials to his imagination of space as he's come up with the new ways to create the DDR without his mother catching on which you know you spoke about uh, within the scene with the birthday party this is where the main humour I think of the film derives from so I think how does Becker inject humour through the use of the film through increasing the pace of certain scenes like the redecorating of the mother's room which you mentioned as reference to Clockwork Orange um, it's sprinkled with style in the way that it's edited because it speeds up things up and it slows 
things down but when it's sped up it's very mundane tasks or very mundane things so it just adds a bit of humor to it um, and also speeding things up adds pace to Alex's hectic, hectic mindset and also his, his lifestyle which you know could be a deliberate ploy for us not to get hung up on the direct impacts or feelings of a lot of our communities or characters maybe experience again Mike what you were just talking about there about uh, communities being lost and jobs falling and changing ever so quickly you know and especially for the German audience a lot of these scenes you know they are bring it is bring them back nostalgia for them so the best way to do this I think is through a positive way rather than a negative approach the pace within the movie gives us time doesn't really give us time to dwell on these issues so we sort of accept it but we do that through humour or even like any movie sorry what I meant to say is any, any film that we any film that is ever made I think um, has to have rewatch value now this film alone is, is packed with so much and one of the things that I think we both can agree on and we enjoy about it is that even now when we still sit down and watch it there are things that we are spotting and, we, and you will continue to spot because you know Becker has had to cram a lot into these two hours and, and it's, it's it's powerful and it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch yeah so next Alex's mum suddenly remembers where she hid the family savings and there's a race against time to exchange them uh, for Deutschmarks that can be to be spent in the unified Germany um, as you could probably predict uh, they've unfortunately missed the deadline for exchanging these marks and Alex is like really angry about it he's fuming um, the, the guy who works in the bank isn't really that bothered he's quite dismissive uh, but Alex barks back this was the money we saved for 40 years and now you say it's worthless which the whole scene sort of highlights the dismissive way people from the east were often treated by those in the west um, and this kind of contempt is echoed in the next scene where Alex returns home um, and gets into an argument with Rainer who is his sister's sort of goofy hipster boyfriend um, Rainer's let in some local kids um, to sing songs to Alex's mother these kids think they're going to get paid obviously the rumour's gone round if you go around these, these people's flat and sing the old songs you might make a few uh, marks obviously Alex isn't happy about this because he he's not in control of the situation uh, Rainer shouts at him you Aussies, people from the east are never satisfied, always complaining uh, you're just like your mother with her stupid letters and petitions um, Alex's mother writes a lot of letters on behalf of like concerned citizens um, Alex shouts back my mother doesn't complain she offers constructive criticism to help improve conditions in society uh, you Vessies people from the west never cared about that so you know, it's a really great bit of dialogue um, Alex is using sort of orthodox socialist vocabulary um, by saying proving conditions in society um, using it to defend his mother even though he was never originally committed to the DDR or its ideals or at least he thought um, in the next scene Alex's sister returns home and she's seen their dad while she's working at Burger King 
Um, this reminds us of the loss of the dad is sort of central to the storyline it's a reason why the mum became so committed to the socialist state in the first place uh, it also shows that the loss of the dad when he supposedly defected is as traumatic to their family um, as the loss of the country yeah. and then while Alex is sleeping his mum sneaks out of the flat um, as she gets into the lift in the apartment block the first thing she spots is a swastika daubed inside the, the lift. Um, so this is the first hint to the rise of neo-Nazism after the fall of the wall. Um, Christiane, Alex's mother, looks shocked because well, we know far-right graffiti would not have been left visible for very long in the DDR. Yeah, and it's this neo-Nazi graffiti that I think confuses Alex's mother. Does she think she's still asleep? Or is it real? The scene where the mother escapes the flat, you know, it's it's beautiful. The scene is full of dark humour with mother's initial confusion. The link with the baby and the first footsteps is powerful. You know, the baby's pointing to the West cigarette blimp, ironically with a slogan that reads, Test the West. The link between mother and baby is vital. It's fundamentally, if mother is to survive in this new world, she'll have to take little steps, just like the baby as the world that she once knew is now gone. The soundtrack reinforces this again and plays an integral part. It's a very nervy sound. The fingers are lightly on the piano. We know the potential risks mother will face, but we want her to take them. She misses the Burger King uniform hanging up, which I found quite funny. Maybe she just doesn't recognize these type of colors. I don't know, um, but I just think that's really funny that she misses them. But. She doesn't miss the um, neo-Nazi graffiti in the lift, which causes her some disconcern, as I've just said. But venturing out, the pace of the scene remains stable and the shots throughout are intercut um, very well. Mother's through Mother's perspective, we enjoy the dramatic irony. Becker and his team here, I think, have produced something you know, that is incredibly gripping, funny and beautiful all at the same time. And next we see a group of bohemian hipsters from the west moving in to their apartment block uh, into flats that we can assume were vacated by people moving to the west. Um, and this is a nod to gentrification, which we see everywhere today uh, around the world and obviously in Berlin as well. Uh, whole districts built for the workers and taken over by hipsters. Um, there's actually a lot of controversy and protests in Berlin uh, recently about the selling off of apartments on Karl Marx Alley to a real estate consortium. Um, further along, Alex's mother walks past adverts for cigarettes, cars and lingerie, uh, replacing what would have once been political propaganda. And the scene culminates in the you know, the epic vision of the statue of Lenin being winched by a helicopter right in front of her. Yeah, and it's it's this uh, the old versus the new are quite clearly juxtaposed here. Mother wanders out into the streets, as you said, with the littered furniture, which I think, in some respects, it looks like something out of a, a very apocalyptic. Um, during this, the music builds with awaking Alex, realizing his mother has escaped. Again, we see this role reversal of mother and child. Alex is fearful for his mother, but fearful like a parent for a child as he rushes down to her aid. On the way down the staircase, he almost knocks a pram down. This could be quick reference to Eisenstein's 
Battleship Potemkin, which is one of the most iconic moments, the silent cinema, the Odessa staircase. The dream sequence here is reinforced as Lennon now flies and is coming towards Mother's aid. Is Lennon going to rescue her? Would this be a fitting compliment to one of the most former dedicated socialists of the former DDR? And now Alex basically has to you know, think of a way of explaining everything that's going on. And he concocts this story that the DDR has taken in thousands of political refugees from the West. The mother shows a true um, socialist beliefs here. As she says to um, both the children, look, we must do our bit. You know, this, this is a very powerful thing that Texas says because what she's saying uh, is, look, the East is not for the select few or the rich, but it's for all, including the Western refugees. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, it shows her true colours that, you know, she actually did believe in the socialist model and she did want to try and make the world a better place. Yeah, and obviously her version of socialism, you know, was very benevolent and idealistic. Um, so next, you know, the family go to their dacha in the countryside and Christiane reveals that their dad didn't actually abandon them as they had been told, but the family were meant to join him in the West. Uh, she also says she wants to see him one last time to make amends. Um, she chose to stay, fearing that the state would take her kids away. And obviously Alex and his sister aren't too pleased about this. Telling the children the truth is something her body has had to endure for you know a, a number of years. And I think by that point she's just relieved to have told them. Um, and, and she's glad now that and, you know they will be able to develop a relationship again with the father. We know that Alex's sister served him in Burger King, which you know she found rather upsetting. And, and you can tell they obviously loved the dad a lot. So the fact that there's that merger of a relationship coming to fruition again is very important. Um, but maybe I think the mum deep down feels guilty for not following him um, to the west, but. One thing about the unification is that it's making mother answer to her mistakes. Mistakes that, you know, weren't done for, for mistakes that were done for the right reasons, you know, in good faith, faith perhaps. But Yeah, so next the mum relapses. Um, she's back in hospital but is awake. And Alex creates one final fake news broadcast and it features a taxi driver who we are led to believe may be Sigmund Jahn, uh, the East German cosmonaut, and the first German in space. Uh, he pretends to be the new leader of East Germany, replacing Erich Honecker, and he declares that the borders are going to be opened. Uh, in his speech, he says, Socialism doesn't mean living behind a wall. Socialism means reaching out to others and living with others, uh, not just to dream about a better world but to make the world a better place. And Alex, as narrator, says he was creating the DDR he wished had existed. Um, prior to all this, there's a scene where Lara, Alex's girlfriend, seems to be telling Christiane, the mother, uh, the truth about what has happened while she was in a coma. So it seems that she knows from that point on the truth that the wall has fell. And 
I think that's a good point to leave our analysis of the plot as we don't want to spoil the very end for anyone that hasn't seen it but one thing I know you want to bring up Regan is the Matrix connection yes the um, scene we first see Dennis in and he's showcasing his editing skills on the software that he has the uh, VHS and the TV and he's cutting together a wedding video uh, to the music of um, one of Stanley Kubrick's movie Space Odyssey it's um, there's a clear reference to the film The Matrix uh, from 1999 and directed by the Wachowski brothers and we know this because he's wearing um, a black shirt with Matrix coding on it now for me that's that's uh, a very powerful moment because what is Dennis potentially doing he's creating a world and what does he end up doing he ends up creating a world for Alex's mum when she's bedridden or not just Alex's mum but for Alex himself because for as much as Alex likes to distance himself from the east it's something that he can't seem to let go of and through creating this fake news and creating this fake world for his mum it helps him to come to terms with the end of his childhood and the, the end of East Germany um, and, and forging a relationship that maybe he lost with his mum prior to uh, going in the coma so the the impact of Dennis's character and what Dennis's character can do has you know a massive impact on the film itself and um, when we talk about the DDR a lot of people are, you know quick to you know it was it was very very well tightly controlled and if you've watched the film The Matrix The Matrix is about control and how we all fit into this controlled world and how we're effectively trying to break free from it and um, you know is ignorance bliss or should we be happy with we got or have more of something or control you know that's that's my take on it Mike I don't know what your feelings are on it yeah well for me like you know the film The Matrix asks that question you know what is freedom and Marxists use this term um, false consciousness um, to describe the way the working class you know, unwittingly submit themselves to the ideological dominance uh, of the ruling class um, in the Matrix the false consciousness is literally created to keep humans in this kind of slave state uh, in the Eastern Bloc a false reality was projected by the ruling parties and through state media. Um, in Goodbye Lenin, Alex is creating a false reality for virtuous reasons. So, for me, that's very much what this deliberate link to the Matrix is all about. And also, you know, there's that um, moment in the film, or throughout the film, is this a fairy tale? Because Mother spends nine months in a coma and it's all. all is it almost like a reference to Sleeping Beauty? You know, um, she wakes up when her son is kissing Lara. Um, so there's that very theme of like a, a you know a, a fairy tale. So I want to move on next to talking about the film locations. Um, and goodbye, Lenin. Uh, most of it is filmed in Friedrichshain uh, in East Berlin. Uh, the apartment block used for the family's home is on Berliner Strasse off Karl Marx Alley and it's behind Kino International 
which is a cinema where film premieres took place in the DDR. Um, as I said, it's filmed on Berolina Strasse. Berolina was a mythical f- uh, female figure symbolising the city of Berlin, similar to Britannia, symbolising Britain. Uh, there was a five-ton statue of her in Alexanderplatz, which was damaged during the German Revolution of 1918 to 1919. Uh, finally dismantled towards the end of World War II, uh, probably to be smelted down. Karl Marx Alley, I'm sure uh, many listeners uh, have walked along. Uh, it was originally named Stalin Alley until 1961, and it's a pretty magnificent example of socialist classicist architecture um, and in terms of movie trivia I've read that the story of the film is also loosely based on the final years of Lenin's life after he had uh, a debilitating stroke uh, and the idea is that uh, Stalin uh, printed lots of uh, newspapers with fake news in that censored the sort of big political struggles at the time uh, with the attention of not overexciting Lenin which could exacerbate his health problems and in terms of the cast obviously the lead role as we've already said uh, is Daniel Bruhl Uh, he's obviously gone on to great success in films like Glorious Bastards Uh, he was in another film not long after Goodbye Lenin called The Educators which I quite liked Uh, about a group of anti-capitalist activists in Germany uh, who break into the homes of rich people, uh, move furniture around, uh, leave cryptic notes. Uh, They end up kidnapping a wealthy businessman who is played by the same actor that plays Alex's dad in Goodbye Lenin. Um, The sister is played by Maria Simon. She was born in the DDR and has had several film and TV theatrical roles uh, the mother is played by Catherine Sass also born in the DDR uh, she was a well known actress uh, in East Germany uh, she stars in a German TV series called Weissensy which uh, I haven't seen but I've heard good reviews it's about two families in East Berlin uh, towards the end of the DDR I'm not sure if it's available uh, with English subtitles but definitely something worth looking out for uh, Lara, Alex's love interest, is played by Chulpan Kamatova. Um, she was born in the Tatar Autonomous Soviet Republic. Uh, and in 2012, she was awarded the title of People's Artist of Russia. Uh, I like the fact that her character introduces herself as Lara, like in Dr. Zhivago. Um, now, I really love Dr. Zhivago. It's one of my favourite films. I've watched it maybe... 15 times and it's another one that never gets boring uh, for me so that might be one that we look at in a future podcast Uh, the boyfriend of Alex's sister we referred to briefly um, Rainer, he's played by Alexander Bayer Uh, he was born in Erfurt which was then part of the DDR Uh, according to his filmography on IMDB um, he also had a role in a 2009 film, Attack on Leningrad, and a 2000 film, Legend of Rita, which focuses on collusion between the Red Army faction terrorist group and the Stasi. Again, another film I think we should explore. 
He also appears in Deutschland 83, which is a brilliant series. I'm sure many people have watched. It's about a Stasi agent uh, sent to infiltrate the West German army. Uh, Florian Lucas plays uh, Alex's co-worker and collaborator, Dennis. Obviously, the character is a real gem, as we've discussed. Um, He was actually cast in the lead role before Daniel Brühl was. Uh, Florian was born in East Germany in 1973. Uh, He had a role in a film released last year called The Silent Revolution about a group of school children in the DDR who hold a silent protest in solidarity with the Hungarian uprising in 1956. So that definitely sounds like a film to look out for as well. 